You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. week, we are continuing our generosity series, Blessed and Blessing, as we prepare to do ministry next year in 2022. And we do ask that you would pray about how God is leading you to give and share your commitment with us. You can go online and there is a give button and it will tell you how you can give and, um, and give you all the directions there. But your commitment allows us to plan and prepare for ministry in the coming year. In this series so far, Jeff has walked us through what it looks like to bless our world, to bless our church, and to bless our community. And this week, we're taking a broader look at blessed to be a blessing, and we'll look at what we give, who gives, how we give, what happens when we give, and why we give, and the blessing that that can be. But before we pray and get into our scripture, we're going to begin with an exercise, and I'll tell you where it came from. So we have this awesome new young adult ministry called Theology on Tap, and it's where young adults from RPC and our community meet with RPC pastors and share a beverage and discuss a theological topic. So we met uh, this past Monday at Gate City, and Maddie Cox is our brilliant staff member behind this, and she did a fantastic job of facilitating the event. And the topic that we were discussing, a super fitting, is blessing. And so we started out sharing some of our blessings with one another. Now, certainly over the past year and a half, we've all had our fair share of heartaches and grief And I wondered how that might impact what people shared. So often we get caught up in all that's wrong and hard, and we don't realize that God's still at work, even in the midst of those hard and broken things. Blessings still abound. And that's what I heard from these young adults They had so many blessings. We even had to stop the time because we were going on and on sharing these blessings. And so what I would like for you to do now in this exercise is you were given a post-it note as you entered, or two post-it notes. I would like you to take one of them and write down blessings in your life. I'm going to give you a minute to do that. Certainly as we continue on in this sermon, if you think of other blessings you want to add to your list, please feel free to do that. But we're going to go ahead and get into our scripture scripture passage this morning. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. But before we read, let us go to God in prayer. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for today. We pray that in these next few moments, as we listen to your word, that you would speak to us. And we pray that you would give us a listening spirit so that we might take your words to heart and practice them in our daily lives where you are calling. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So again, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Listen now for God's word. The point is this. 
The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Jason and I are fortunate enough to have amazing neighbors. And I've always been grateful, but never as grateful as I was during the pandemic because we have lots of kids on our street and the boys could go out and go biking and play safely outside with their friends. And it was a great outlet for their energy. They also got creative. They had a little more time on their hands. So one day, they decided to raise money for a cause. Without consulting any of the adults, they got a cardboard box and made a sign and sat on the sidewalk asking neighbors who passed by to give spare change for their parents in need. (laughs) Yeah, yep, Mm mm-hmm. Our neighbors thought it was hilarious Some of them even gave money to the kids, which of course we returned, but I about died. Where did my child come from? What gave him this idea? Jeff mentioned last week that he hates asking for money, and that's me. I am not like my child. I, in high school, when I had to raise money for sports or other things, I would take money out of my own stash or ask my family members rather than going door to door. I just hated doing that. Needless to say, I never won the highest sales in those things. But Jeff mentioned in his sermon last week that he is not ashamed to ask for money for RPC. And I honestly feel the same way. Because the work being here is good. The work being done here is important. And we're faithfully following where God is leading to do ministry here and in the world. And I will tell you that I am both humbled and proud to be a part of what God is doing through this church family. And we find Paul in a similar situation in our passage this week. The generosity that he's asking for from the Corinthians is good. And not only that, it's something that the people of Corinth have already said they wanted to commit to. I want to give you a little context surrounding this part of the letter that he's writing to the Corinthians. So he, he had visited Corinth previously. 
And when he was there, they had this conversation about Christians who were in Jerusalem who were in need. And the Corinthians were really enthusiastic about wanting to help them. So they had decided that they would save and have an offering to give to the the Christians in Jerusalem that were in need. So when Paul came back to visit, he would take this offering to them. Well, Paul left and he'd been traveling and he was gone for a long time. And the Corinthians um, had lots of other things happening and that were gaining their attention. And so Paul wants to write this letter to tell them several things. He tells them about some of his travel plans changing, but he also wants to remind them of this offering that they had committed to. And he also reminds them of the very spiritual nature of giving. And he says at the beginning, the point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to provide you with every blessing and abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. See right here, Paul is applying the law of the harvest in both a material and spiritual sense, reminding them that there are benefits of giving. And I don't think Paul is trying to bribe them or be manipulative. I think we've all experienced this law of the harvest in our own lives, even in, in just a, on a simple level. When I give someone a gift that I see that they really love or enjoy, it brings me joy. When I am able to give my time to help someone, it brings me joy. I like to share this with when I teach baptism class every month with families who are getting their babies baptized and we're talking about raising children in church. And I always encourage parents to lean into the church community. The more you lean in, the more it's gonna impact your life, the more you get out. And Paul follows that initial part by immediately saying that each person should make up their own mind They shouldn't be coerced to give, but they should look inside their hearts and decide what they want to give. This is the what that I was talking about, what we give. What we give is something between us and God. What has God put in our hearts to give? And this is certainly monetary, but it's also our time and our talents. God knows our hearts and God doesn't want us to give reluctantly. I mean, I feel that way. I don't want anyone to give me something they don't want to give me. That doesn't make anyone feel good. But cheerful giving is the opposite. Whenever I hear this term, cheerful giver, I think of my mom. She's the ultimate cheerful giver. She's generous in every area of her life. She happens to be a church member here too, and she teaches first grade Sunday school. And if you have been up to the elementary hall or had a first grader, you know that at the end of Sunday school each week, she gives all the kids a treat, vitamin C, which are Welch's gummies that now all children think are healthy. And kids from previous years will stop by to get a treat sometimes too. And she doesn't turn them away because they're not in her class anymore. She's genuinely happy to see them and happy to give them a treat. And they know it. 
I can imagine that if she was reluctant to give, they might not feel as good by stopping by to get a treat. But because they can tell she's giving because she wants to, cheerfully, there's joy all around. In the same way, God wants us to give cheerfully. This is the how. How should we give? Cheerfully. The same way God gives to us. And then there is the who. And Paul is really clear about it. Paul says each person. It's not just the rich people or the adults or the people in power. It's everyone. Every Christian is called to give. Everyone has a part in this. I'm reminded of this story from another pastor, Kenneth Chaffin. He tells this story of a single woman in his congregation whose job didn't pay much, but it was important to her to commit a portion of what she made to the church. But then one week, there was something in the bulletin calling for people to give extra for scholarships for youth to go to a camp. And the pastor noticed that she gave 75 more dollars than she had committed that week. The pastor knew the sacrifice that was involved in this gift, and he asked her why she decided to do it. And she said this, Pastor, two of the most important decisions I have made in my life about God were made at a youth camp like this one. The thought that through my small gift, God might get the attention of young people and change their lives was more than I could resist. Friends, this story reminds me that God not only blesses the receiver of the gift, but also the giver and the whole kingdom of God. And that's what Paul's referring to in verses 8 through 11 when he says, And God is able to provide you with every blessing and abundance so that by always having enough of everything that you may share abundantly. Enough of everything. That phrase is a little tough to translate and can be interpreted in many ways. My kid's idea of enough dessert definitely does not align with mine. But the ancient Greek word for this is autarkia, which means contentment. And this is really helpful for me in understanding this passage because when we give with the right intentions in our heart, the natural consequence of that is contentment. Contentment is a spiritual blessing independent of possessions and outward things. Financially speaking, when I give to RPC, I know that that's where God wants me to give and I know that it's making an impact on the kingdom of God. And I'm content. Sure, I don't have as much money in my bank account, but I am content. It's a spiritual blessing of contentment for sure. In the same way, when we're talk about, talking about giving of our time, we have a wonderful member of our congregation who doesn't have children in the children's ministry anymore, but she feels called to help families with young children. And so Friday night, we had this fun family fellowship event, and she came to volunteer so that the parents who would normally have to volunteer wouldn't have to do that, and they could focus on their families instead. What a generous gift from her heart, and it blessed those families. And when I sent her a note of thanks yesterday, she wrote back, I enjoyed it. I'd like to do more of that kind of thing. Please ask me again. She enjoyed it. There's contentment there. 
Sure, she gave up a Friday night to be at church to help a chaotic bunch of families, but she was content because she gave from her heart and it blessed her to watch all of those families enjoy time together just as much as it was a blessing for the parents who were able to focus on their families. Friends, this is what happens when we give. And as a result of these generous and cheerful, the generous and cheerful giving from the Corinthians, from their hearts, this is what we see in the last few verses. Commentator David Guzik calls these the four benefits of the giving of the Corinthian Christians. First, on the most practical level, the giving of the Corinthian Christians supplied the needs of the saints. This is a good thing in and of itself, but we know that it did so much more than that. Secondly, their gifts also caused thanksgiving to God. They were giving more than money for food. They were giving people a reason to thank God. Third, the giving of the Corinthian Christians was evidence of God's work in them. When those in need received the gift, they would glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your generosity of sharing. That's what the passage said. And the ancient Greek word translated sharing is koinonia. And you've heard Jeff talk about that in this series. It's the same word used for the ideas of fellowship and communion. It means the sharing of things in common. When we share our lives, koinonia is called fellowship. When we share the remembrance of Jesus' work through us, through the Lord's Supper, koinonia is called communion. And when we share our resources so no one would be destitute, koinonia is sharing. And the fourth benefit from the gift of the Corinthian Christians was that it would prompt the Jerusalem Christians to pray for them. And this is something that we can do when others give to us and when we need their gifts. We pray for each other. And these aren't just benefits of giving back then. These are the benefits of giving now. Supplying the needs of others, knowing that God uses those and even multiplies them bringing thanksgiving and glory to God, sharing in communion, fellowship, and helping others in our community, and praying for one another, going to God on others' behalf. There are countless ways these things are happening at RPC, and it is a result of our church family coming together to give generously. And then, of course, there's the why. I think the last verse tells us the why. Last verse says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Friends, his indescribable gift is our salvation through Jesus Christ. The love and grace poured out to us from Jesus Christ is a gift and there is nothing that we can do to deserve it or earn it. It was so very costly, but so freely given. And as Christians who are trying to live like Jesus did, we are called to give generously. And that will not look the same for each person. But I do ask you to look in your heart and ask God where you can give of your time or your talents or your treasure and be a blessing to others. So now I would ask you to take out your second post-it note. And I'd like for you to think about that where you can be a blessing to others. And I'd like you to write a few things down. 
And I'll give you just a moment for that. As you're writing, I'll tell you that there is there are two wooden signs, and one sign over here is blessed, and the other is blessing. And so after the service, we would invite you to place your post-its on either side um, so that we can see how we've been blessed. It's a visual example of our blessings, but also how we are going to go out and help bless others. Before we end, I want to go back to verse 8, where it says, You may share abundantly in every good work. And Guzik puts it beautifully. God blesses us materially and spiritually so that we will have an abundance for every good work. God wants us to be channels of blessing, not reservoirs of blessing. Friends, we are blessed to be a blessing. Let's pray. Holy God, we ask you to help us discern in our hearts where you are leading us to give generously. Help us to look to your example and to give with cheerful hearts. Lord, we ask you to work through us to be a blessing to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.